Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome to Blizzard Watch, the podcast where we watch Blizzard and all of its games like high-flying eagles staring down at Blizzard, which would be nice if I could be a flying eagle. That would be cool. You don't want to be a non-flying eagle. That's just what's the point of that? Just a standing eagle. That would that would be un, uncool. I feel bad for eagles that can't fly. This has really gone completely in a direction I wasn't expecting. Hi, I'm Matt. I'm the host. With me this week are two magnificent, almost titanic co-hosts. First up, practically everything ever done for the site. Uh, she's the I want to say managing editor. I don't know your. I still don't know your full title, but edits <laughs> does everything. She's practically is the site. And Stickney and what have you been up to? Are you going to be like a high-flying eagle flying through the mysterious sky eggs of Michigan? Sure. Of northern lower Michigan. Whoa. <laughs> the, the clouds caused by sky waves. Sky Meta. waves. Un- undulating skies or something. Yeah. <laughs> uh, look up Weird Clouds Michigan on Google and look at the first image. Mitch was telling us about this in the pre-show, and it was just like, it is the strangest set of clouds I have ever seen in my life. Anyway, um, what have I been doing? Not too much. I mean, I went and I did the Tomb of Sargeras LFR, messed around in there. Um, am I the only one that like does LFR and then once the LFR is over, I just stay put so I can run around and take screenshots no, of everything? That's the, way, I, that's the only way I get to just explore them anymore. Yeah. I've done that before, you know, with because I still raid with the raid team every now and then. So I've done that with you know, after the raid first comes out because I just love exploring. I remember Wait, taking you, screen- who are you? We should introduce you. Oh, uh, I'm a voice. Yeah. Since since he jumped in on his own, we'll just say it. Oh, I, I here's Mitch. So, so He's with us every week. Mitch. And... Hi, I'm I'm here this week again. We'll continue what you're saying. About the raids and the screenshots. Oh, well, yeah, I, would, I just, I love running around taking screenshots. I remember doing that in uh, Hellfire Citadel because, uh, what's it say, Killrog's room had the really cool, like, Tim Burton-esque side doors thingies that you couldn't actually go in, but look, am, they had Am I BBIs. the only one who finds Hellfire Citadel extremely hard to navigate? 
it's a lot of corridors. I get lost in there a lot. It's a lot of corridors, and they all... I mean, you'd think that a big round building would be pretty simplistic as far as layout goes, but no, there's all kinds of corridors all over the place. I don't know who designed that place. What orc was that that designed that place? The thing is, is it should be at least somewhat similar to the Hellfire Citadel I know, but it doesn't feel like it is even remotely. Like, I, I, they just built a whole different Citadel this time around. But I've been, I've been killing uh, Manoroth twice a week because I want the pole army drops. So, of course, he has not dropped it. Um, but that, that means <laughs> I've been navigating around there going, I have no idea where I am. Wait, I think that's Manoroth? probably like the only... Well, yeah, because yeah, Manoroth. Manoroth is in the bottom of Hellfire Citadel. I was I I meant the new Hellfire. Scene, yeah, though. I know. We're going back and forth between the two. I think oh, that's the God. only thing that's kind of similar. I think that's the only thing that's kind of similar is that with the Hellfire Citadel that you've got out in Outland, it's all stacked on top of each other. Like if you're in one instance, if you look down, you can see Manoroth way down below. It actually like, feels like they're inverted. A now that you bring bit. that up. A little bit. What what's his name? Uh Manoroth No, Manoroth is in the new one. Magtheridon. Yeah, instead of in the basement. Yeah, but yeah, they're they're kind of they're kind of inverted. Magtheridon or Manoroth? It's Magtheridon in the original in the original one in in BC. It's Manoroth in the new one. Okay, I have a headache. (laughs) There are too many demon names. Pit lords, pit lords, whatever. There's pit lords. Um, but yeah, I I honestly feel like some raids are. I I really want to actually do that with Tomb because Tomb it looks like it's beautifully well done in terms of its looks. So it also it technically ties into the uh, dungeon too, which is super cool. Yeah, it's also stacked on top of each other. Like if you walk into Tomb of Sargeras and you look up, you can see the upper levels where the Cathedral of Eternal Night is at, which is pretty neat. I really like that. I like it when they stack yeah. things on top of each other like that because it adds to. It makes the whole space feel bigger without the floor size being too much bigger, if that makes that's, sense. Yeah, that's what I loved about the Hellfire dungeons. Is, well, dungeons and raid, I guess, is yeah. like you could see Magtheridon in, um, not Rampart. Blood the Furnace. Other one. Yeah, Blood Furnace. Blood Furnace. Yeah, you could it see was him really through cool. the floor. Yeah. Yeah. So it was like you got this sense of space, of this being a really big space without it being huge. Although, I don't know, it took a while to run through particularly um <laughs> it, it did they the one with the gauntlet the, the one with the gauntlet and cargith at the end shattered oh, halls. Yeah, shattered halls shattered halls, oh, shattered halls oh, was God. way too big and and it shattered halls it just it seemed to go on for like you just went through this maze of hallways and the, the thing about that one was i don't think that it had the same mechanic as the other ones because the other ones like when you went on ramparts when you finished that final boss you could run back and jump down and be right at the beginning of the zone all over again oh, i appreciated yep. that about burning no shatter halls made you run all the way back through it yeah, yeah. shatter halls made to run buff. Blood Furnace had the speed buff thing that you kind of ran back. And, and I, I remember thinking, Yeah, but thinking, you went through like, the corridor. You went through the corridor in Blood Furnace because it opened yeah. up after you killed the boss and you could run right back to the beginning. That was cool. I, I always appreciated yeah. that about Burning Crusade Dungeons where it was like wherever you ended, it popped you out right back at the beginning so you didn't have to run through the whole thing yeah, for like most of, of the, it. Uh, except for Shattered Halls. Dune, some of the Ocean Dune ones had like you when you got all the way through it, there would be a door and it would drop you down. Yeah. And it was because the place was blasted out. Yeah. The, you would ended up going to the top, and now there was like a, a hole in the wall, and you could drop down. Yeah, like Mana Tombs. Yeah. Mana Tombs had a corridor that would take you back to the beginning. Um, I don't think that the one 
Alternate Crips did. Alternate Crips had like the did drop the down. Did the Crips? Have? Shadow. Sh- uh, no, Sethic. Sethic Halls had a hallway. Yeah. After the last boss. Sethic Hallway. Sethic Hallway. Whichever one, like where you fought, yeah, that the one you where you fought, uh, Ickis at the end. That was Sethic Halls. Yeah, that literally you kill him and then you just head straight down. And you'd 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 find out was your group the kind of group that cleared that group, or did you leave them up? I remember first time we did it, we ran face first into those guys. I was like, ah! Hey, look, we could run back into the shortcut. Oh, no, angry birds. Yeah, no, yeah. we, um, I was a rogue, so it didn't really matter. I had vanished. But... <laughs> I, remember I remember thunderclapping and just jumping, not ju- not jumping because you didn't have a rogue leap, but like thunderclapping, charging a guy, and then just running out the door. We had, yeah, <laughs> like, we had. Help us out of here. We had like the race. It was the race to see who would who would win. So we'd have somebody that had a speed boost. They'd go running through first and try and aggro everything, and then everybody else would try and make it out before the mobs rubber banded back again. Instead of just you know taking the five seconds to kill the mobs. <laughs> it's good to see that wild mindsets have changed over the years. Yeah. No one ever tries to skip anything nowadays. Ah, oh, the good old days, right? So we should I, probably I, talk about top stories, I guess. Yeah, we point. should. <laughs> uh, yes. The first one, because I'm pretty sure that we didn't talk about this last week, and I think they announced it after. Um, Doomfist was announced for, yes. for Overwatch this oh, yeah. week. Yes, and, that was uh, after. Yeah, he was, uh, yeah, when was he? He was mildly teased, I think, last week with the new body yeah. report, but we got, we got him. He's we on mentioned, the PTR. We mentioned the report because the report was like, that, that was the 4th of July that it came out. That was the 4th of July right. that it came out. Right. But um, he was actually officially announced. Was it Friday? Thursday or Friday? It was one of those two. <laughs> oh, I want to say, maybe, I don't know. I think it was, it was after the show. It was after the show. So yeah, Doobfist was officially announced and he's a thing. And, and he's, got crushed. He's great. And I love him to pieces already. And yeah. I'm going to suggest we don't talk too much about him. I'm going to suggest we don't talk too much about him because our first question is someone asking for in-depth details about him. That's cool. So I'll enjoy talking about that a lot. Um, As far (laughs) as Doomfist goes, though, he's on the PTR right now, but he's not actually in the live game as of yet. Um, Which means he'll probably be there next week. Probably. He should be there pretty quick. But yeah, he's, he's a new hero and everybody's been waiting for him forever. And now he's here. And we're all very, 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 very happy. Also, he is not voiced by Terry Crews. But um, quite frankly, the guy, that okay. they, the guy that they do have voicing him is a very, very good actor. So um, Yeah, even Terry Crews said, you know, you know, great on you. That guy he does, does a great job. Now give me something. My, my so, tinfoil hat is that Terry Crews is going to voice a different Doomfist since they're, you know, it's technically I more than I feel like... I feel like if they do any kind of origin story thing and they actually talk about the savior, that Terry Crews should be the savior, Doomfist the savior. Yeah, yeah. I think that exactly. would be pretty cool. Um, I'm just saying, I think that that would be pretty cool if they implemented him in some way. Um, however, yeah, the guy who the guy who's voicing him now, I want to pronounce his name, but I'm really afraid that I would totally mess it up because it's... It's a complicated name. I want to say Sar 
no, I'm not even going to try it. I'm going to mangle it. I'm going to mangle it if it, I try. He it's has, on the site. Yeah, it's on the site. He has several Broadway credits. He's he's performed on Broadway a lot. He's done several television shows. He's done, I think he's done a few films. But he has this beautiful, beautiful resonating voice that works so well for the character that, yeah, I the moment he started speaking in we the trailer... The, the the more moment he started speaking in the trailer, I was really happy about that. And can we talk about the origin story for a second here? Can we just, just talk want, about the fact that it, it's animated? Yeah, I was just going to say, the fact that it's different than all the previous Overwatch stuff is really kind of fascinating. Yeah. I it's good. love it. Um, now, I'd always been kind of gung-ho about the idea of an Overwatch animated series, but I'd always thought of it in terms of, yeah, do the 3D animation that you've been doing because the animated shorts that you've been doing have been so good. You know, they're just beautifully done and they look like they're straight out of the game, which they are kind of because they're using the same models and everything. But man, I want to see an anime-style series now because that was <laughs> just beautiful. They, I don't know. They've done this for a couple of things. The Matrix and and Halo both had kind of like Legends stuff yeah. where they had various different kinds of animation, like shorts. And this one's animated this way and this one's animated that way. The The Doomfish short made me think you could totally do an Overwatch Legends where you had like a, a, a 3D animated version. Like one of this one of the shorts would be that one that was in this style, one that's in a cartoony, like, you know, really over the top you know, anime style, one that's in a classic um, 80s cartoon style. Well, like the and old school liquid television where they just sort of mixed it up. Yeah, or, you know, like those shorts. Just imagine watching the Dawn of Overwatch in a, in a like, parody of G.I. Joe, where it's literally Community like... Community did G- an episode that's a parody yeah. of G.I. Joe, I believe. But imagine if you did it, like, seriously, you, you animated it like the G.I. Joe movie and the G.I. Joe cartoon when they were animated, and you just use that style for the dawn of Overwatch. That would totally work. And then you could just you do another one. Hanna Barbera. Yeah. Also, <laughs> still full Thundercats th- with this. There are so many ways that could. It was a cool short. Is what we're trying to get at. It had. A, it it had was very excited. cool. Yeah. It was very very cool. I mean, I don't even play. I just read like the wikis and you know totally nerd out over all the shorts because I can't see out of half my face. So I'm not a really good shooter player. But uh, this has me super excited. This uh, and a few things fans have done have me like totally just please do a Netflix show. Please do a movie. Do something. Well, Broaden this out. Blizzard open up that whole like animation or entertainment division a while back. Do, do we have any? Do we know anything about that anymore? That was EA. Wasn't, no. Not EA. Um, uh, wasn't that uh, Activision? I say, yes. Thank you. Activision. It's Activision. Thought, oh. Did it, oh, it was. Okay. I thought it was yeah. Blizzard. Well, either way, do more. Come on, guys. I, I would enjoy seeing that. And seriously, I do. I want to see like old school Overwatch, like the original team, like when they come together and they're all formed and everything, do that like Hanna-Barbera style, old school special. <laughs> that would be, that would be great. <laughs> Overwatch team, assemble. No. Dun, 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 dun. Okay. Anyway, moving <laughs> also, on. Yeah. Also this week, however, um, Stukov, as, as Mitch was talking about on the pre-show, Stukov is live now? Yep. He's live. Yep. So Stukov is live in Heroes. So if you like people with gigantic scary fists, Overwatch has one, and now Heroes of the Storm has one. Why don't you tell us about Stukov? Because I feel like people need to know about his creepy, creepy arm. Stukov has a creepy, creepy arm. 
he uses this arm to attack things, but primarily he also is infected because that's just his life. He got infected by the Zerg, and now he's, you know, an infected Terran. So he's actually a support unit, um, but he's more... He's he's a, a solid mix of, like, offense and uh, support. Um, he uses diseases to heal and damage people. Uh, he can he throws pustules at people and you know does all kind of weird diseasey stuff. But his main thing is his W is his healing ability, which you can toss to an ally and uh, it heals them. It does a hot for a little while and it can spread to nearby allies as well. Um, his W wait his Q is the heal. His W is something that you shoot out in a line and it it only hits heroes. It, it's not something you can use against waves. Um, it does a dot. And then his uh, his E is like a channeled thing. It doesn't cost mana to maintain the channel, um, but it's it's a channeled effect, so you can't move while you're doing it. That does damage to things in the small area and silences heroes in it. Um, so that's his primary offensive ability. I'd say if you want to do like minion damage or siege damage, but it's also great for silencing people. Apparently, and I'm assuming it went live because I didn't see any changes, but uh, if you use it on Sergeant Hammer. When she's in siege mode, which is the stationary one, it silences her, and she can't un-siege mode because that's a cast. So she's stuck in siege mode, unable to move, and he just kind of sits there and attacks her. And it's awesome. How, how long does his cast, how long does that work it, for? It's as long as you channel it, and it doesn't take mana wow. to channel. Wow. So, so it's, you, he's basically like hard counter to Sergeant Hammer, basically. Oh, oh yeah. If, if you catch a Sergeant Hammer in this thing, the Sergeant Hammer... I mean, obviously, if you're in the range of attack, the Sergeant Hammer can attack you. Um, but the Sergeant Hammer can't move, like, at all. And I, I'm this will probably get nerfed if it didn't already when it was on live. I haven't double-checked. Um, uh, but it was that way on the PTR. And Sergeant Hammer players were like, what the heck, man? That's crazy. Uh, his, his trait detonates any of his viruses, uh, healing or damage. If you detonate the healing one, it does a... It removes the hot, but it does a lot of healing. And the healing is actually pretty sizable. So, like, it's if you've got someone falling low, it's worth it to just explode the uh, hot on them. When it explodes the dot, it also slows the enemy hero who has it on them. His ultimates are also pretty cool. He has one where he takes his, his giant arm and he, like, flails it, I think, two or three times in uh, a 180-degree cone in front of him. And it the area he hits gets in. Uh, bigger with each swipe and it knocks enemies back and it might silence them. I can't remember off the top of my head, but that's probably the one a lot of people are going to go for just because it has more overall use. The more fun one that's going to result in some incredible plays if it gets pulled off is the one where he just he essentially launches a, a copy of his arm, like detaches it almost. And uh, it if it hits the enemy hero, it will knock them back until they hit uh, terrain. Which means if it's late, <laughs> if it's late in the game and you have an enemy hero sieging your towers or whatever, and all of theirs are down, you can knock them from your base all the way back to their core. That's pretty the, crazy. It's, the the like promo video for him kind of shows something where it's it's just for mid to their core, but like it's hilarious, and I really it it's very situational, but it has the potential to be amazing. Domehammer has a question in the chat channel, and this is actually pretty valid. Um, Domehammer says, "What if a stitches hooks the hammer to safety?" That 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 can be done. Yeah, that can be done. Okay, so it's teamwork. Just, it's just that if you're in the circle, you're silenced. Um, 
and because Sergeant Hammer, you know, can't transform if she's silenced, that's, you know, where that happens. But if you get out of the circle, which is relatively small, um, you're fine. Okay. So, yeah, he's playable now. Does he have any he's, cool skins that we need to know about? He has Admiral Krakenov, which is like a... A weird pirate a, skin? A pirate Kraken kind of thing. Oh, think, my gosh. Think, think of what's his name. Um... From Davy Jones. Jones. Yeah, Davy Jones. It's, it's a lot like Davy Jones in Pirates of the Caribbean. Okay, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, he's he's a fun support. Like, if if support's not usually your thing, he's slightly more offensive than a lot of the other supports. Um, mostly, you just kind of have to be cognizant of how many of your good viruses you have on allies and if it needs to be activated. But otherwise, you can kind of siege a little bit, and it's it's really fun. I, I, I've played a couple games. character, too. He is, but I've played a couple games with him, and he's as fun as I expected him to be based on the previews. Okay. Okay. Well, um, at this point, we should probably mention that LFR Week 2 for Tomb of Sargeras is open now. So if you've been waiting for that, there you go. You can start getting a little further into the raid. Um, since like, I think both Ann and I are in a place where we both most mostly do LFR, this will be good for us because we get to go a little further in. Um, if, so yeah, if anyone's watching the stream, that's what I'm doing right now. And Which bosses are in Wing 2, Mitch? Um, the Demonic Inquisition. I was going to say, the, the Inquisition and then... Sisters of the Moon. And then the last one is the crazy the desolate, one that's sort of like... Uh, it's the Desolate Host without actually fighting the Desolate Host. <laughs> um, that's odd. It's, it's called the Desolate Host in the Encounter Journal. And normally what happens, it, it, it if you're watching, it looks... You can see it right now in front of me. If you're not watching this live, it looks it like looks, the reliquary of souls. Yeah, it looks like the reliquary of souls from Black Temple, um, the little cage thingy. Uh, and normally, at thirty percent, out from the cage pops like a green version of Marogar, and that's the desolate host. The thing on the wall is actually like the engine of souls. Um, but in LFR, that doesn't happen. But there are two phases in it, and a lot of people I expect are going to pull the stuff in front of the boss, assuming it's trash when it's not trash. But those are the three bosses. There's two more pieces of tier, which means you can get up to four-piece tier bonus now. Um, if I could get any of the tier to drop, it hasn't yet for me. I've gotten lucky. I think I've gotten, like, two pieces in the past I bonus day. roll on everybody, and I still... It's like, I think I got... The only thing I got out of there was, like, a trinket, maybe? Or a necklace? I, I can't remember. Well, the uh, speaking of trinkets, the... The sisters have a really good trinket for a lot of ranged casters. Um, they don't drop tier, but they do have a nice trinket. Okay, and I'm I totally, <laughs> so well, I, don't I, I, I don't know if they might have a good rogue trinket too. Yeah. But, um, shoot, I lost. Oh, yeah. I forgot that they have six tier pieces. So, like, I got, I finally got up to uh, two tier pieces um, from this wing or from this raid. And,. I was like, oh, cool, I can, you know, or not cool. I, I was like, oh, I have to replace my old bonuses. But I forgot, they do, they have six pieces in this expansion, which means I can do a four-piece and a two-piece and not break either. So that's that's motivation enough. You can now get a four-piece from tier 20 and a, or a four-piece from tier 19 and a two-piece from tier 20. That's handy. It's very handy. Okay. So yeah, LFR, wing two, it's open. Um, wing three opens in two weeks. I think they're doing it's every not, two weeks, correct? Two weeks seems to be the pattern so far. Yeah. I think so. That sounds right. Yeah. So in two weeks we'll see Wing Three, and then in four weeks is when we'll get we'll finally get to see Kill Jaden in LFR. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Okay. We we have a handy little rundown of the fights on the site. Um, don't do what you're 
don't do what I'm doing if you're watching this because I'm not doing mechanics properly. But <laughs> way to go, Mitch. <laughs> do do, do what I wrote. Not as do he what did. I wrote. Yeah, do what I wrote, not as I do. Okay. Um, I guess that's basically it. Um, I mean, the Overwatch World Cup format was announced, but it's basically a standard tournament where you have 32 teams, and then the top, you know, 16 move on, and then they, you know, the top eight from that. So it's there you go. Overwatch World Cup. Yeah, it goes from 32 down to 16 down to eight, and those eight teams are left, and they go to Anaheim to play at BlizzCon. Right yeah. now, I we don't, don't think that we have. Yeah, we, we we don't have like a, a nailed down format for how they're going to be playing at BlizzCon. Um, they said that the first team to win three wins it all, but we don't know like if it's a best of five or if it's just a single elimination stuff or how that's going to work exactly. I'm sure we'll get more information as we get closer to BlizzCon with like yeah. all of the details of that. But yeah, so that's the Overwatch World Cup. Yay. So um, as is always the case, we're going to talk about emails now. If you have an email for the show, please send it to podcast at blizzardwatch.com with either podcast or blizzardwatch in the subject line. And if you can keep your, your questions as short as possible while getting your idea across, that's useful because then Ian can read more of them and we can do more questions, uh, at least in theory. Right now, Ian's going to read them for us, so if you don't mind, Ian. Okay, first email is from, let's see if I pronounce this right, Sidan, Sidan of Steamweedle US. It's spelled with a T at the front of it, but I think the T is silent. Who says, hello, Blizzard Watchiest. First time email. Just had to ask, who is Doomfist and why should I care? He looks like a big dude with a <laughs> robot arm. Is that his deal? He's a cyborg. Does he just punch stuff? It feels like he'd get wrecked pretty fast in matches if he has no range. Can someone tell me why I should care? Thanks, and I love the show. It's a big part of my commute and has been since the Kraken days. Um, to, to answer most of those questions, yes. No. I'm going to say I'm just going to contradict you right off the bat. No, he Whoa. doesn't. He doesn't just punch stuff. He does other things too. He does have a ranged attack. He's got his actually his other hand has like a bullet launcher thing on it, so he can shoot things as well as punching things. So he's not completely helpless if he's at range or whatever. He does have some ranged ability. The other cool thing about him is you can punch up in the air and he can move around the map actually pretty quick. Um, he's speedy and his ultimate is what is it? Is it meteor oh punch or meteor it's, strike? It's meteor something it's and meteor it's awesome. Stri- he it's leaps way up in the air and you get this aiming thing and you put the aiming thing on the ground where you want to land and you land and smash your fist in the ground and it knocks back it stuns everybody in that radius which and it does a lot of damage and it does a lot of damage it does I've, so much I've damage mul- i've multi-killed and it's awesome <laughs> doesn't he have some kind of passive shielding that's different than anybody else's yeah yeah so every time he basically every time he does damage with his attacks he gains a shield and he starts out with 250 health um because he's an offense hero he's not a tank or anything like that or defense for that matter um and every time he attacks, he gains a, a shield that slowly decays, but it also, if you're constantly attacking, um, you can get up to 150 health points of shielding, so you can get 400 total health with him. Um, and it kind of encourages you to just combo abilities back-to-back, and uh, it's just, he he can be very squishy. Like, the the promo video makes him look like almost like a Cho'Gall, where you would expect him to be so overpowered that he couldn't be just you know one player at a time um but obviously in game he can't do that so he's he is squishy kind of like the offense heroes are but that shield is sort of the way that they want to counteract it 
it kind of balances him out a little bit. As far as whether or not he's a cyborg, he's not a cyborg, not really. Um, what happened with Doomfist, this is actually the third Doomfist. There were three of them over the course of time. There was the Savior, there was the Scourge, and there was the Successor. And the one that we're dealing with is the Successor. The reason they call him the Successor is because he killed the Scourge and took the Doomfist. Um, we don't know anything about the Savior. We we have no information on that other than, you know, pictures in one in the Numbami map. But, um, Numbani. Numbani. <laughs> no, Numbani. Numbani. I can't pronounce anything it's today. It's not I'm the so old sorry, Bonnie folks. map. It's the new Bonnie map. It's the new Bonnie. Anyway, um, <laughs> as far as the Savior is concerned, there's there's that museum exhibit. And around around town there, you can see posters of the three of them side by side. But we don't have any real information on the Savior. Just judging from what I know of the names, I would say that the Savior was probably a hero somewhere way back along the line prior to the Omnic Crisis or maybe like at the beginning of the Omnic Crisis he was one of the dudes that popped up and was helping things out. But he, w- I, I feel like the Scourge is the Scourge because he killed the Savior and took the Doomfist. That seems to be how this sort of thing is handed down the gauntlet (laughs) you don't take the gauntlet you kill the dude that has the gauntlet and then you take the gauntlet um so yeah the guy who is the current doomfist he was his name's uh akande and he was heir to a prosthetic technology company his parents had it um, in Nigeria, he's 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 the son of a well-known Nigerian family. He's not he's not unknown at all. He he was actually like really smart, really charismatic. And when he wasn't doing stuff for the company, he was doing martial arts tournaments all over the place and just murdering people. Not literally murdering people. He was he was just really good at what he did. Um, however, he could have murdered them if he wanted. <laughs> he probably could have if he had wanted to, but no. He didn't want to. So he's he's this guy who's this really strong powerhouse, like physical powerhouse, but he's also a businessman and he's really smart. He's really smart. He knows he knows how to get ahead in life and that kind of thing. When the Omnic crisis hit, he lost his arm in the aftermath. He lost his right arm in the aftermath. And because I mean, obviously, you're looking at a prosthetic company here. That's what he worked for. He was able to get a prosthetic arm. Um, the arm that you see, if you look at his origin story where he's punching through the walls and stuff, that's a prosthetic arm. It looks like a real arm, but it's not. Um, the Doom Fist itself is a gauntlet that kind of goes on on top of your hand. And the first time that we saw it was in the Overwatch release trailer, the cinematic, the first cinematic that ever came out. It was the one that the, that the kid grabbed. And then punched the heck out of Widowmaker without even <laughs> thinking about it and knocked her halfway across the map. Yeah, that's the Doomfist. And that's what it'll do for a kid who has no fighting experience whatsoever. Imagine what it would do in the hands of a man who is trained for fighting. Um, so Doomfist, he was actually, Akande was taken under the wing of the Scourge. Doomfist the Scourge. Um, and he acted as a mercenary for that group because once once he had had his arm replaced by a prosthetic arm it was a very good prosthetic arm but it gave him a distinct advantage so he couldn't enter the tournaments anymore he couldn't do that thing that he really loved to do anymore so he was kind of he tried to throw himself into running the company but that wasn't really suiting him either 
And then Doomfist the Scourge shows up and says, hey, would you like to be a mercenary for my group? And Akandi said, yeah, sure, why not? He was so successful in working for the Scourge that eventually Doomfist told him about Talon. Turns out Doomfist is actually pretty high up in the ranks of Talon. Talon is not run by one individual. It's run by a council of individuals. And at that point of time, in time, the Scourge was one of the people on that council. But as time went on, everybody kind of looked at the situation and went, you know what? Akande's smarter. And Akande's got plans, got plans for Talon to make Talon bigger and better. Whereas the Scourge... He just wants to terrorize Numbani. That's that's all he wants to do. You know, he wants to loot and pillage from the public or whatever. But he doesn't have any sort of greater plans. And Akande here, Akande's a businessman and he he has ideas. So they kind of talked him up a little bit. And eventually Akande killed the Scourge, took the Doomfist, and he became Doomfist the, the successor. It was at this point that they kind of set themselves against Overwatch Akande, the successor, Doomfist's successor, he's the one that Winston took down. Like, they're way back in the beginning, when they first introduced Winston, on his list of career highlights, one of those career highlights was that he was the one that took down Doomfist. Um, and that's what we see in flashbacks in that Doomfist Origins trailer, is Winston shut him down, and they imprisoned Doomfist. Um, they put him in a maximum security prison. Well, just recently here, he got broken out of prison. And the weird part about this, the part that I'm kind of like, huh, there's something bigger going on here, is that Reaper didn't let him out of his cell. Reaper just sort of showed up with the car for them to get away in. Um, Reaper can never be fully successful on his own. Like his missions either fail and he gets his butt kicked, or it's like he didn't. I feel like he's kind there. of like a facilitator, but he, it, Reaper is also he has moved up. He's actually on that r- ruling council of Talon now. Um, the, or the has been and before. We just didn't know it was a council. Yeah, maybe I don't know. But the interesting part about this is that Akande broke himself out of prison, and you can see it in that in that origin cinematic. He punched a hole through a maximum security prison and just walked out. He could could have done that at any point in time during his imprisonment, but he chose not to do so for some reason, which makes me think that there's something bigger going on here. So, Doomfist, is he interesting? Yes. Should you care about him? Probably, because I have a feeling that all of this sort of ties into that whole global conspiracy thing that Sombra is researching. Um, and I feel like I feel like Doomfist had a hand in Overwatch's downfall, a bigger hand than we know of. And I, haha, pun, fist, hand, whatever. I, that was unintended. <laughs> but I feel like I feel like Overwatch's downfall. Talon must have influenced that in some way or another. And it wasn't just, hey, we stole Emile LaCroix and made her Widowmaker. I think that there was something else going on there. And I feel like there was either a mole within Overwatch itself or somebody got to Reyes and said, hey, Reyes, you know what's terrible? The fact that you're doing all of the dirty work with Blackwatch here, but you're getting none of the credit for it. And everybody looks at Morrison and everybody says, oh, Morrison, he's the golden boy. He's the greatest guy ever. And man, doesn't that really get your goat? Don't you really? You can't stand that, can you? And I feel like 
that animosity, that natural animosity between Reyes and Morrison was maybe there was somebody behind it that was kind of fomenting that. Um, this is all theories, though. This is None of this is actually like canon stuff. So, yeah, Michael, too, if you're listening, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but Doomfist. Doomfist is very interesting. He's a really interesting character. And what I really love about this is that we have brought everything back to present day. With this whole origin story thing, we're no longer looking at, like, past events and things like that. Um, obviously, there's the flashback to when Doomfist was taken down. But everything that's happened, his escape, what he's doing now, that's all present-day Overwatch. So maybe we'll see some more progression of that particular story in the next year or so. I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. Um, from a gameplay perspective, you should care because, like I said, he can be squishy, but he's also... I think he's going to have some pretty strong playmaking abilities, especially with his uh, meteor, whatever it is. Um, he feels a little bit like Genji in the sense that he's like kind of up in people's faces at times, um, but he's also mobile. Uh, like like Anne was saying, he can jump into the air. He has he has one ability where he jumps into the air, and another where he slams down to the ground. And if you use those together, you can get pretty far in the map. Um, meteor, whatever is like I. I almost want to switch over so the stream can see it right now, but it's it, you actually get the ability to zoom your camera out farther so you can aim it. That's how high in the air you go, um, and it's a huge targeting reticle. And it's just, I think some people are going to be a bit surprised at how squishy he is, um, but I think in the hands of the right players, he's going to just be a force to be reckoned with. Oh, he'll be lethal in the hands of the right player. Yeah, he's he's got his drawbacks, obviously, but I wouldn't call him a character you should throw away or a character that you shouldn't look at really seriously if you're facing them on the other side of whatever map you happen to be on. Um, he's got some powerful abilities and he's got some really strong counters to existing characters too. So I don't know. I really like him. I like that he fits in. Um, he's yeah. the 25th hero to Overwatch. And I know that they said that they were only going to introduce a finite number of heroes. I don't, do you think that's still going to be the case? Uh, probably not. I mean, I think they're leaving it pretty open. They mentioned the prison break that he was in. It's like, it's unknown if there were more people who broke out, but it's suspected, which leaves room for any number of prisoners to join the ranks of talent in the future. Uh, there's just, there's a lot that they can do. I mean, there were so many heroes on that original recall short that popped up and Rossi linked something that was like, showed up in the Sombra video, which was not a, a different hero. It was Doomfist, but it was still it's, like, there's just, there's so many opportunities for them to add stuff. It would be silly if they didn't. I don't think it's going to be like Heroes of the Storm level at any point where it's just banging out heroes left and right. But no, but in the recall I, video, there was like a good six or seven other people that we still don't, I mean, they're not accounted for. Yeah, if not more than that. It's, yeah, I, I think they're going to pace them out slowly. I mean, it's been, you know, we've gotten what, Anna, Sombra... Orissa and now Doomfist, right? Yep. And it's been out for a year, yeah, or a little over a year. So I mean, you know, roughly every four, three, four months. I don't know. The other thing I'm hoping for is I'm hoping that we see more animated shorts because we haven't I, seen one of those yeah. in a while either, like a full fledged yeah. animated short. We haven't seen one of those in a while. Um, so I'm hoping we'll get more because there was that bit at the end of the Sombra video that clearly implied Zarya was going to get something. Zarya was going to be involved in something. That was a little. That was too much of a tidbit at the end there. Something's got. Yeah. To, something's got to happen. Um. Just don't know when. I don't know. Maybe Gamescom. We'll have to look at Gamescom. Last year they if debuted it, Bastion. Wish, so. 
I wish we would actually talk about that, but it's really not within the scope of this question because there's some stuff from that short that is enormous if you actually look at it. Uh huh. But we no, should move on. Yeah, there's a lot of implications. Lore watch. There. Okay, let's move onward here. Uh, next email is from Nehru, who's a 110 rogue, Kieran Tor, who says, Dear Blizzard Watch crew, so I just had a tinfoily reason why Zira is such an Illidan fangirl. If Zira were the one to give Illidan his vision, then she could have read his mind to learn from his past. Thus, she would have only knowledge of Illidan from his own perspective. She would see Illidan as how he sees himself. With only her knowledge of Illidan coming from his perspective, it's no wonder Zira sounds like the number one Illidan fangirl. From Nehru, 110 Rogue, Kieran Tor. I don't really think that's necessary, or for that matter, I don't think Zirin would need to be limited by what Illidan thought about himself, even if she did read his mind, because she's a Naru, and a Naru Prime at that. So it's quite likely she's got better intelligence on Illidan than just what he thinks of himself. But people have been saying this from the beginning. It really comes down to what you think about what Zara says about Illidan. Because she's pretty weaselly if you actually read what she's saying and, and like think about it. She doesn't actually say he did the right thing. She says, what would you have done? Several times when people are like, I can't believe what a fangirl she is. I'm like, she doesn't actually say anything he did was good. She never actually says anything he did was good. She asks you what you would have done. I, in I think she's, she's mostly trying to say, like, it's not as bad as you thought. She doesn't say that either. That's that's. I, I think I think that's interpret what, yeah. that, but that's not what she yeah. says. No, she not. asks you what you would do. That doesn't. It could mean, you know, well, what would you have done? But it could also mean think about the situation. What was the right call? You could take it to mean she's justifying his actions, but I don't see it. I honestly don't. And it's one of the things that really bothers me about fan reaction to this game. Sometimes they they get, you get a wave where like a few people say something and then everyone pick it up. And suddenly everybody believes this thing to be true, whether or not there's actually anything in the game that justifies it. Um, they've talked about this in terms of game design a few times. Um, I think Jeff Kaplan talked about it in terms of overwatch. He was like the perception trumps reality. People believe oh, this yeah, character yeah. is overpowered. Therefore, they act like it's overpowered, whether or not it actually is. People look at the lore and see stuff in it, and they want that to be the only interpretation. You can take Zera to be totally an Illidan fangirl if you want. That's totally something you can do. You can make a case for it. I don't think that's the only possible reading. I think you could read Zera as really critical of the entire situation. Um, and one that really comes to mind the only time where I've actually felt like Zara was even remotely sympathetic to Illidan was the Black Temple part. Now, you guys know the Black Temple part where you end up being the raid. You, you, you play Illidan as he gets raid, but raided by a group of suspicious people who yes, several yeah. of them are people you might have seen in previous quests. Like Johnny Awesome is in there. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. That's the only time that I feel like she's sympathetic. And I kind of feel like anybody would be seeing someone's entire life fall apart because a bunch of sh schmoes showed up to, to kick his butt. Um, I'm, as as a guy who tanked Illidan in the day, uh, I was one of those schmoes. I, I've always wondered, like, when you're playing Illidan in that group, you can go right for the healer. Why do you, you know what I mean? It's just like, I used to try, <laughs> which one of you guys is the healer? <laughs> I was like looking around, which one of them is the healer? I got to find that guy. I think I so, did go for the I don't know. That's my my take on it. I don't I, feel like there is, you can see her that way if you want to, if you look, you know, there's, I, there's evidence to support it. But there's evidence to support a more critical view of her as well. I think there's there's plenty of times where she doesn't say anything positive about Illidan. I don't. Mitch, I you don't pop think in. I don't think it's that nuance. Uh, I I think it's. I think it could it could have been. I don't think it is. I think she genuinely is. You know, to kind of put it 
in a, a simplified term, a Illidan fangirl. Um, I don't think she's seeing it from his own perspective, though, I, or from his perspective. I don't think that's why she's such a fangirl. Um, I maybe uh, I can't, you know, I don't want to say too much. Maybe she knows what Illidan's true purpose is. Like maybe she can see such a big picture that she knows what Illidan's true purpose is. And even if she doesn't believe that he's great, she's trying to convince players he is so they'll trust him so he can, you know, complete his destiny later on down the line. Um, I don't think she has a, a limited view of things. I think she has quite possibly the largest view of things, which is why she's trying to make players feel the way, well, feel the way they don't feel thanks to her. But I think that as with anything written in lore, it can be interpreted in several different ways. And for Zira in particular, I mean, Rossi's got a good point as far as she doesn't say, well, his was the right course of action. She says, what would you have done in that situation? How would you have handled that differently? You know, there, it's, it's, she's not condoning all of the stuff that he's done. She's just asking for our interpretation of those events as they played out. Like, was there any other actions that he could have taken? You know, and that's actually a good question to ask as far as Illidan is concerned, particularly, you know, when you go in and you do that whole scenario thing over in Blackrock Hold, where he uses the moon guard repeatedly and ends up destroying like a gigantic chunk of them in order to push the Legion back. What else could he have done in that situation? And for me, it, it feels like she's almost asking, she's like, what would you have done differently? What could he have done differently? You tell me. You tell me. You tell me what he could have done to make that any better. And it's almost isn't that like, sort of like confrontational a little bit. But at the same time, it also kind of makes sense in that situation where she's just like, she's showing us his life and showing us that maybe he didn't have another path that he could have taken. Not necessarily like that his path was right, but that it was the only one available to him at the time. I, I agree with that. that too. But... Um, have you, like, I did that one yesterday on mm -hmm. my on one of my characters because mm -hmm. uh, I'm trying to get my hunter through everything yeah and you can do that quest without killing the moon guard nearly as much like but you once can work... you get down to the end yeah. there you have to yeah when you get down to the end fight there's no way out you can't win without killing them like there's, I, there's I no try I spent an hour trying to come up with scenarios and his power doesn't recharge if you don't kill those people so you just you're standing there going oh god i'm gonna die again like so it's really weird because that one that scenario and the scenario of black temple and the really bizarre opening bit like the do you babies. remember the yeah because because Ian used to talk about this one a lot that apparently in night elf culture babies are born you just get the whole town together and like look baby <laughs> hey everybody it's time to come look at babies again it's baby looking oh, day god Maybe they didn't have a lot of kids. I mean, they were Night elf baby looking day. But there's that bit where they're like, one of them has golden eyes. He Look will be a child eyes. of destiny. You know, and can you imagine that's your life from, like, you know, from a little kid? That's your life. What do you grow up to be? You yeah. grow up to be Illidan or you grow up to be a Shara? Yeah. It's just fa fascinating. Which one of those two is better? Is there? Is there a better? Um, it's Find it's kind of... Expansion. It's kind of interesting, though, because with Zira, we're not just dealing with a cosmic being here. I mean, the Naru are cosmic beings. They see things beyond what we see. Um, 
Velen, a lot of Velen's visions and things like that, those are kind of Naru-like abilities, only Velen's a Draenei, he's not a Naru, he doesn't see every possibility at once. We don't know how the Naru think. We don't even know what battle the Naru are fighting, really. They're creatures of the light, which would seem to pit them against Shadow, but they're working against the Burning Legion here. And the Burning Legion is also working against the Shadow. So what is the Naru? Like, what are they after? Are they trying to shut the Legion down? Why would they try to shut the Legion down when the Legion is working supposedly against the Void? And you'd think that they would know that. Or are they trying to redeem the Legion? Is that's what's going on here? Um, and, you know, maybe, maybe, we'll get more, maybe we'll get more of that. Maybe we'll get more of that. Maybe we'll get more of that in 7.3. I don't know yet. Um, we won't know until we get that. But I have a feeling that we'll get more questions answered once we get to Argus and actually take a good look around and see what's going on with the whole army of the light thing. Um, but Zira, I don't, I don't think that she's seeing anything from Illidan's perspective. I think she's seeing it from the perspective of an outside observer who has a much larger range of view than we do as players. We have a very narrow scope in which we view Illidan because... Can- can We're you mortals reconcile... on Azeroth. There's only so much we know. Can you reconcile the Naru on Outland saying Illidan was bad, though? Like that, That's still one of the things of the story that people bring up a lot is it was a Naru telling us to do all Adal? this stuff. Yeah. And yeah. now it's Naru telling us that Because Adal was... wasn't a Naru prime. It's, so that's, I mean... That, that that's... might be the only difference that we need. We don't okay. know what the difference is between a regular Naru and a Naru prime, either. We know Plus... very little about the Naru in general. Also, it might very well have fitted their plans to stop Illidan in Outland so they'd have him ready for this. I mean... Okay. Adal... That, I mean, that's fair, but that's those are like the only explanations I've ever heard, and I wasn't sure if there was another one out there yeah. that's more concrete. But You also had to look at Adal. Adal is also part of the, the Chitari who are... They're set against the Burning Legion. They were pitted against the Burning Legion at the time. Cadgar basically summoned them and said, hey... We need help. And Adal said, okay, we'll come help you out. Um, And maybe he didn't have quite the scope. Maybe he's a young Naru. We don't know. We don't know. That's the thing about the Naru. And and the reason why I hope that we get more questions answered when we go to Argus is finding out more about the Naru in general. Just what they are. What are they up to? What's their agenda? What if they're secretly evil and the reason that Naru can have void phases is because that's their real form and that's why they're against the Legion because they're working with the Void Lords. They're playing the long game. Yeah. I mean, I've had that theory before where I was like, the Naru are an <laughs> evil that must be destroyed. Um, but it's it's a running theory and it's kind of tongue-in-cheek. Um, my my whole would, supposition so for that one for that. was that any alien being that shows up and exudes an aura of calm and pacification, maybe that's something you should be looking at a little more closely. Is all I'm saying. <laughs> I would if if they did that and it like turned the tides and the whole view of shadow or void versus light and shadow <laughs> finally got its day. I'd be so happy. It's just a weird thing to think about. It's a weird thing to think about. But anyway, moving on. Next email is from Delta Force, who's a night elf druid on Drakthol. Love your name. Who says, I know that we only get to transmog the artifact weapon appearances we collect during Legion. I'm curious, what other content should we complete during Legion that won't be available after Legion? My immediate answer to that is ahead of the curve, obviously, because you won't be able to do ahead of the curve achievements after 
the curve you can't even has do those reached. during Legion once them you've now. yeah once we've moved on to the next patch you can't right. even do those right um, but I don't think that there's anything else in particular that is super Legion specific I know like with Mist of Pandaria if you wanted the challenge mode sets you had to get those before the expansion was out or if you wanted the legendary cloak you had to get that before you know the patch was done and everything was like that storyline was taken people- out are people even going to be able to get any of the artifact appearances after Legion comes out? Like, I mean... I don't know. I mean, will you be able to level a character through Legion content, get your artifact leveled up? I mean, we don't we don't even know what's going to be replacing artifacts. Yeah. So there's I a don't. lot of stuff we don't know the answer this, to. This is something that actually was also brought up in the queue-ish today. Do you know, like... It, I love some of the Holy Priest staff variants because they look incredibly shadowy. I probably have them unlocked because I think the ones I like are the PvP ones, which, you know, is character-specific and not spec-specific. Right. But will I, as a Shadow Priest, if I'm using a staff in the future expansion, be able to transmog to a holy variant? Like, don't know. Do, we know how that, do we know how that works? We don't. No. Right? No, we, we don't even no know. no idea. Yeah, we don't even know for absolutely sure how the transmogging from your artifact is going to work or if they'll even let us do it. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's suggestion to anyone we won't be able to at all. I really want to be able to use that holy priest staff variant as shadow because it looks awesome. It is. It, it is cool essentially. Staff. It's essentially a void Naru, like a void phase Naru too. Like. It's a pretty cool on. staff. Um. Yeah. I don't. I don't know exactly how transmog is going to work after Legion is over with because we have a lot of really specific stuff. I mean, we've got a bunch of legendary items that are armor various pieces of armor look like various pieces of armor we've got the artifact weapons and each weapon has its own set of appearances within that initial appearance i mean how is that going to work um i hope that we get some kind of clarification on that before the expansion is over with right now though i mean we have 7.3 on the ptr and there's a dungeon and a raid in it which indicates that it's going to be around for a while so i guess we don't really need to ask that question yet it's just something I, that's kind of been in the uh, like in the mind in the back yeah. of my mind i, I would say about that do pvp stuff as well because yeah. um i and i don't know about the world quest i know there's the like bareback brawl the the non warden's tower world quests if you yes. do 20 of those pvp ones 20 of each, you get a mount. There's the season-specific mount. Wait, or not you get season a mount specific. for doing that? If, if you do 20 bareback brawl, 20 dark rule arena, like you get one mount for doing 20 of all four of them, I think. Oh, there's I had mount. no idea. Yeah, yeah so that's I've been something... doing those when they pop up and there's a mark available because I use the marks to get the PvP sets. <laughs> yeah, but... Uh, I, it's not the mounts aren't season specific; they're just like rank rank specific. So right. if you wanted to just grind out a ton of honor, you know, in the last couple of months of Legion, that's fine. But who knows what the honor system is going to look like in 8.0 and what rewards will be there? So and if you're a mount collector or toy collector or whatever, um, I would do PvP as well. Yeah, that might be worth it. Rossi, is there anything else you can think of that won't be there after Legion? That's the problem. So I don't. I have no idea. Like what yeah. won't be there after Legion? Yeah, I mean, because they they have said like, they want people to be like, able to do the class. It doesn't seem like there's going to be anything taken out that I can think of. Yeah, the dungeons and raids will all still be there. Um, the broken, maybe this like the, the scenario, but I mean, like, why would they take that out? You're still gonna if, possibly what, like the class challenge thing. No, no, I was thinking the actual scenario to get to the broken Isles. Oh, because oh. if you were if you start playing WoW after Legion, 
Um, either they have to let you level through Legion, and that means get your class order hall, do all that stuff, get your artifact, or they have to take all of it out. You know what I mean? It's like there's. I think they'll streamline stuff. I can't um, imagine them taking but, it out because the Warlord's introductory yeah. thing is still in there. And they, that's what I'm thinking. That the, so the scenario where you go to the Broken Isles and see all that and see Varian die, they're going to probably leave that in. So you can skip yeah. it already anyway. Yeah, yeah, but you can skip it if you've done if you've done it on a previous character. If you're a well, new player, they'll probably you can't have the it. whole 110 boost thing, anyways. Like they have maybe that's entirely possible. We don't know yet. But um, that's like people talked about the fact that they might have to like boost everybody following uh, Legion just because. You, if you brought in a new class now, that class wouldn't have an order hall. No. So they couldn't start below 110. They'd have to start in the new expansion. Because yeah. if they didn't, they'd have to level through this expansion, and they wouldn't have an order hall. So I, if anything, I don't think they're going to be taking a lot out. I think they'll be leaving it in. Yeah, I would That's say I, it, it also depends on what you're interested in. Probably a lot of the stuff, like the completing the class order hall during Legion, might become a feat of strength for example like there might be stuff that they have to streamline for the sake of you know it's whatever um the future expansion and they want to streamline it and they might make those feats of strength i think there's also transmog that comes from the legion invasions that may or may not go away um that's another thing and if that you're you trans- might want to collect yeah yeah but it again it kind of depends on what you're interested in if you're interested in feats of strength i would try to get at least on your main character if not your alts the story's done but we don't know if that'll be a feat of strength or if it'll just stick around. Like it's it's going to stick around. Blizzard has said we want at least the like mount storylines and stuff to be experienceable after Legion, but I think it'll be streamlined. And who knows if there will be a uh, like with the Warlock Green Fire? They gave uh, a title if you did it during Mists. So based on the fact that the invasions they did before the expansion are gone and you can't get that gear anymore, it is probable that you won't be able to get the uh, various drops from the invasions anymore. What this all boils down to, Delta Force, is that unfortunately we don't have like a solid answer for your question because we don't know what won't be available after Legion yet. We're still in the middle of the expansion. Um, Again, like I said before, 7.3 is on the PTR right now and that's a dungeon and a raid and that indicates that this expansion is still going to be around for quite a while. So yeah. we don't really we we don't have that kind of information as far as what's going to go away once the expansion is over. We're not there yet. We're nowhere near I, it yet. I so. would say around BlizzCon's probably the time we'll probably. see we'll see the raid release and we'll get more info about what's coming next. But it's, that's it, still it's probably it's probably going to be the case. Um, I imagine anyway. Um, and and for now, you know, just do what you find fun. Like, at the end of the day, don't have a bucket list of things you want to get done before the end of Legion if it's not fun to you. Yeah. All right. Well, um, I was hoping we'd get to more emails than that, but we kind of ran out of time. (laughs) Sorry about that. We'll have to carry some over to next week. Anyway, uh, Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash blizzardwatch. And your continued support means that this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, a better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue, and an ads-free site experience. 
Thank you very much, Anne. Uh, again, if you have an email for the show, please send it to podcast at blizzardwatch.com with podcast or blizzardwatch in the subject line, and we'll try and get it in whenever possible. This has been the Blizzard Watch Podcast. Thank you guys very much for listening, and we'll be here next week. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.